Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Turn with me, if you will, today to Luke chapter 1. Today we want to talk about on this Mother's Day, and I'm uh, getting away from our series on prayer. Next week, as the Lord leads, we... We plan, we plan to continue our series on warfare prayer. Now, if you don't believe there's warfare, spiritual warfare going on, you uh, are either sadly deceived or dead and don't know it yet. But next week, we talk about how to enter into warfare prayer and to see mighty results. Father, we ask that your word would be spoken by your spirit today and that it would go forth and do what you've said it would do and that is it will not come back to you void or empty. It will achieve the purpose for which you send it. We praise you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to talk today about the heart of a godly woman and to do so it is appropriate that we go to the life of the most famous by far the most pronounced, the most incredibly recognizable name in all the history of the world it was a young woman by the name of Mary. Verse 26, chapter 1 of Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man. Betrothal was just as legally binding as marriage in that culture. If a Jewish woman was found to be sexually unfaithful to the man to whom she was betrothed, in Old Testament Jewish culture, she could be stoned to death, at least ostracized. So we're talking about a serious deal here. She was betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed, supernaturally favored are you among women. And the word there for favor is, is the root word is charis in the Greek, the same word that has to do with supernatural favor and ability. You are supernaturally favored among all women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting was this. I am favored among all women. Then the angel, verse 30, said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found supernatural favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. 
and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be? Since I do not know, and the word no, gnosko there in the Greek means, I am not sexually intimate, nor have I been with a man. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit, there's the answer, the Holy Spirit, he will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. How do you get the heart of a godly woman? I see, first of all, in this passage that you have to make a decision to partner with the Lord and let Him tell the story of your life. There are some chapters in your life that you had rather not be written the way they're written. There are some stories in, many stories in that long story that you wish would turn out differently. How do you think Mary must have felt when it was, the word of the Lord was announced to her that she had been chosen by God to bear the child who would be God's holy son, the Lord whom they had been looking for. She had a decision she had to make whether or not to submit. But I want you to know that didn't just happen as an event. This young woman had begun to develop trust because you don't submit to something like that in the snap of a finger. She had been listening, seeking the voice of her God for a long time. There had been a trust between the two of them developed before she would submit to such a high and holy assignment as this. She had to believe that the story the Father wanted to tell through her was higher than her own dreams, her own plans, her own aspirations. Think about it for just a minute. If you were Mary and you were told that you had been chosen to bear God's Son, wouldn't it be human for you to think, how is Joseph going to respond to this? I'm pregnant. Sometimes God's story through you doesn't fit the fairy tale you thought it was going to be. What will I do about Joseph? How will I tell my parents? Family was very, very tight and special in those days. How will I ever make those close to me understand 
that there is an assignment on me that I have to accept because not to accept it would be to deny my relationship that is the highest relationship I have, the relationship with my Father. May I ask you something today? What is the highest relationship you have? Who has the highest authority in your life? Is it your spouse? Is it a boyfriend or girlfriend? Is it your child? Is it your husband? None of those are to have the highest authority in your life. The highest voice of authority in your life is to be the father who's in love with you. You're his special sons and daughters. He has the final word. Mary understood and made a decision to submit to God's, the story the Father was telling through her. Regardless of what anybody else would think. But notice she did ask a question. How? How can I submit to your plan for me? How am I going to get through all these issues? And how are you going to do what you just said the Father was going to do? And here's the answer. The Holy Spirit. He didn't write a book. He didn't give A, B, C. He just said the Holy Spirit. It's a relationship that's developed between you and the Holy Spirit. He's going to make this happen. Can I ask you something? Are you still trying to do what only the Holy Spirit can do? Are you still trying to change your sons and daughters? Are you trying to change your spouse? Are you trying to change parents? Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Some of you have been deeply wounded by a mother or a father or a family member or a a spouse or an ex-spouse. Can I tell you something? You're never going to get them to be able to see how deeply you're hurt. Can you just take them to the cross and say, Jesus, the cross is enough. They're in your hands now. You deal with them however you see fit. And Do you know that most of those who hurt you are only passing down something that they have received and walked in for a long time? Most of the time, it's not an intentional, I'm going to get you. It is something that they have lived with and just passed on, and a cycle has never been broken. You are a cycle breaker. Mary was a cycle breaker. She didn't succumb to what will other people think. How can I ever make them okay with this? Somebody listen to me now. Somebody here today is still expending a lot of energy trying to figure out how you're going to make somebody okay with what it is that you think God has called you to do. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. You hear God and notice what Mary did. She just took the next right step. She said, let it be done to me. I submit to your plan. I want to tell you something that I say almost every Sunday. Are you listening? God is trying to tell a story through you. Some of you believe that you've messed up the book and you can't. Look, that's why there's grace. 
God is trying to tell a story through you that is going to be a blessing to people that you have never seen before. God is trying to tell a story through you, and one of the greatest platforms for that story is your pain. You can tell a story of God's grace if you're willing to say, God, this is not what I had in mind. This is not the way I wanted to, 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 I, I didn't ever think that my life would end. I had a different plan for my life. I had a different way to go, but here I am. I submit to you, Father. Holy Spirit, show me the next right step. I surrender my agenda to you. That's when God can do something. That's when God can do something. And it's not too late for you to partner with the Spirit of God. But I want you to notice something. Religion has deified Mary. There's no indication anywhere that we are to pray to Mary. Nowhere in the Scriptures. The Bible actually says there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ. But I want you to see something about this incredible woman in her walk with the Lord. I want you to turn with me, please, to chapter 2 of Luke. Just turn over a page there. And I want you to, to see that after Jesus was born, and in the following days and months and years, things were not so easy. <laughs> it's not like she got up every morning and, say, and, and with her little halo said, this is perfect. Can you imagine the conversation between she and Joseph? Thank God the angel had gone to Joseph and given him information that it was all right, that this was something God was doing. Don't be afraid to take Mary. But can I tell you something? Wouldn't that still be just a little bit out of the ordinary? What do we do? What do we do? Some of you have challenges on how to handle your children and grandchildren. It's okay to say, God, what do we do? And you know what the answer is? The Holy Spirit. He'll counsel you. He'll guide you. Listen to him. I want you to notice here in uh, chapter 2, an interesting passage, and sometimes we just go right through it. If you look at verse 41, Mary and Joseph went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. It's what good Jews were supposed to do. And when he, Jesus, was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished those days, as they returned, the boy, Jesus, the 12-year-old Jesus, lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother Mary did not know it. Why? Well, you got to understand that in those days they traveled in great companies of big, big families. How many of you with big, big families, you've been to big family reunions? People can get lost, can't they? It's hard to keep up with everybody. And not, to, not only that, but did you know that uh, the, the Scriptures tell us in Matthew 13 
that after Jesus was born, did you know that uh, Jesus had four brothers? And it doesn't give the names of his sisters, but it says, and his sisters, plural. So there's at least, at least six siblings after Jesus was born. And see, some of you think you're having a hard time getting your family to get along. What do you think it was like with Jesus who walked in every single moment in obedience to the Father with at least six siblings and a mother and a father who were not immaculately conceived and had a sin nature, think there might be a few little challenges there. Watch this. So Jesus had stayed behind after the feast where the big family had gone to. And verse 45 said, they did not find him. So they did not find him. And, and look in verse 44. They had traveled on foot and horseback a whole day. So how much longer would it take them to get back once they discovered he wasn't there? You ever left your child and it took you a whole day to get back to where they were? See, pat yourself on the back. You probably haven't done that. And there, verse 46, so it was after three days. How many of you would leave a 12-year-old where you didn't even have a clue where he was for three days without panicking just a little bit? If we didn't know where I was, where it was in three hours, it, it was uh, not fun. Three days. Panicked. They found him, verse 46, in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. Now look at verse 48. You think Mary was perfect? Let's check this out. Verse 48. So when they saw him, that is the parents, Mary and Joseph, they were amazed. And his mother said to, to him, Jesus, Remember, God's holy, anointed, appointed son. Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have sought you anxiously. We're beside ourselves. And Jesus said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business. Are you listening? Even godly men and women will sometimes get frustrated with their children because they don't quite understand what the assignment the father has given their children is. Could that be you? God only has a right to have an agenda for your child. You're a steward, not an owner. Amen? Frustrated. Mary. Can I ask you something? 
Would you be willing to say, Lord Jesus, give me the grace to recognize that your agenda for my child is not according to my script, but I yield them to you and your agenda. Well, do you understand that one of the difficult things that we all live for or live through are family dynamics? Turn over to Matthew, if you will, chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Family dynamics are tough, aren't they? Where are y'all? I mean, I said family dynamics are tough, aren't they? Whew. Man, I thought I'd, my whole sermon's in the tank. Well, I, I want you uh, to see something here as we look at verse uh, 46 of Matthew 12. <clears throat> While he, Jesus, was still talking to the multitude. Get this picture now. Jesus is ministering, teaching ministering to a multitude of people. While he was still talking to the multitude, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak to him. In other passages, you'll find out, and it seems like in other passages in the, in the synoptic gospels, that is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that they were demanding to see him. Do you ever feel like sometimes that you have the right to interrupt whatever your child's assignment from the Lord is and that you have a right to get their undivided attention regardless of whether or not they are flowing in their assignment or not. What I'm trying to tell you is Mary wasn't perfect. I mean, can't we all agree? Can't, can't all of us understand a little bit of that? We're human. We miss it sometimes, don't we? Well, in fact, it got worse. John chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, Jesus' brothers, can you imagine the guys of the family? Jesus' brothers came to him, and they had a little meeting with him. He was ministering there in Nazareth in the hometown. How many of you know sometimes when your sibling is doing their thing in front of your community, sometimes you can get a little nervous if they're not doing exactly what you would like for them to do or if people are rejecting them. And the Bible says there in chapter 7, verse 5, not even his brothers believed him. So let me ask you something. We're talking about the power of a godly mother. Do you know that one of the great things that a godly mother can do is recognize that there are family dynamics that often have selfish conflicts. How, what do you do with that? There are often conflicts in the course of a nuclear family where there's jealousy, where there's misunderstandings, where there's hurts. What did Mary do with that? 
Do you know that specifically the scriptures do not give one ABC list of what she did? You have to get it from her ongoing character. Because the Bible says that even on those occasions when she came with her other sons and even her daughters, the Bible never says that she insisted on interrupting the story that the father was telling through Jesus. In fact, the word says over and over about Mary, she treasured these things in her heart. Can I ask you something, mothers? Do you treasure things in your heart? That is, do you take them and do you take them before the Lord and do you ask for wisdom? Do you meditate on what? What are you trying to tell me here? What are you trying to tell me? Do you know one of the greatest, most healing things in a family is the merry countenance? It's that countenance that the boat doesn't get rocked, that is solid and steadfast and chooses to take things before the Father before she gets involved and tries to fix conflicts. There is wisdom there. And I see that in Mary and her character and the way she conducted herself. She was not perfect. Sometimes she was overwhelmed. She didn't understand. She was frustrated. But even though she was overwhelmed, she was not disobedient long term to the mission that she knew the father had for her firstborn son. She loved, she prayed, she served, she trusted, and she was protective without being controlling. You know how to do that? It is an incredible instinct that God has placed in mothers of protecting their children. Protection. It is a God-given thing. You are a nurturer. Did you ever notice God didn't choose males to bear children? We're not nurturers by nature. You are. You are. It's a holy and mighty thing. I, <clears throat> but did you know that sometimes... Nurturing and protection can cross the line and become controlling and manipulative. How does nurture and protection cross the line and become control and manipulation? There's a simple answer to that. Fear. Fear. Fear that, it, fear that it's not going to turn out well. Fear that if I don't enforce my way, they'll never get it. Fear that if I don't intervene, it'll, it's just, it's going to be a train wreck. Look, fear is the opposite of love. Did you know that? 1 John 4 says it like this. Perfect love, God's kind of love, casts out fear. So those who try to control and manipulate 
fail to love. It is a response of fear. And fear is deep-rooted and can be passed down from generation to generation through physical birth. Did you know that? Just like you can have physical characteristics through genetics, you can also have spiritual genetics through the nature of Adam passed down through its own personality through your parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. Yeah, there's a transference. You can break that cycle by the power of God's grace. Do you know that God's love and grace can break every cycle that you've been born physically into? Your spiritual rebirth is more powerful than your physical birth. Your spiritual dynamics are stronger than your physical genetics. By the grace of God. Well, I'm this way because my parents were that way or their parents were that way. That is no excuse for a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. No excuse. We don't have an excuse, do we? She was protective but not controlling. A godly woman, she suffered great personal pain. She saw her son given to her by God, despised, rejected, run out of town, said, you don't belong in this community anymore. Jesus had to flee where he grew up. Wouldn't that be painful for you to see your son or daughter run out of town? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be painful? Wouldn't it be painful for your own family to say he doesn't belong with us? She saw him falsely accused. She witnessed him being slapped and beaten and spat on, stripped naked, pierced with a spear, thorns pressed into his skull, and nails and spikes nailed into. She witnessed all of that. She was there. She saw her son brutally murdered. She suffered immensely. Can I ask you something? Do you understand that this woman not only suffered the loss of her hopes and dreams for her own life, not only did she have to submit her own hopes and dreams for the way she would like it to go and to submit to the story God was telling, but she had to see her son misunderstood, despised, rejected, and murdered. She suffered, but she received the highest calling a woman on this earth can ever have. That is to bear, to be the physical vehicle through whom God the Father placed His mighty, powerful, wonderful, holy Son. She was chosen faithful. On this earth, she never saw, never saw the incredible, ongoing, relentless multitudes, millions and millions and millions of lives that would be affected 
by her son who lives today. Do you understand that part of your calling as a mother is to suffer? You ain't going to hear this kind of message in most churches today. It's too feel good. You're going to have to be up at night sometimes laboring in prayer, shedding some tears for those in your family whom you love who are suffering. The hardest thing in all this world is to watch somebody you love suffer and not be able to fix it. Part of being a godly woman involves suffering. I wish we didn't have to say that, but the scriptures are clear. Suffering. Suffering for the sake of somebody else whom you love that you can't make it right. Part of being a godly woman is being willing to do that suffering in prayer, and perseverance, in patience, in love. It's being willing to continue to love and pray and serve when you know good and well you can't fix it. Part of it is watching somebody you love suffer and continue to suffer without being understood. Sometimes those closest to you are suffering and everybody may think there's a simple answer to that and sometimes that answer is not so simple. And it is suffering to have to live and walk through that. Mary suffered, but I want to take you back as we close to the passage we started with in Luke 1. Now I want to remind you what she knows and what she knew. Despite her humanity, she knew beyond any shadow of a doubt. When the angel came, he said to her, verse 28, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. You are supernaturally blessed among women. And in her troubling, she wanted to know what was going on. And the angel said, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. And I want you to see something. Did you know in verses we didn't read today, verses 39 and following, do you know what Mary did? Are you listening? She consulted an older woman. I want to say to all the younger women today, one of the reasons we did what we did, ask the Lord to show you an older woman who has more life experiences, who has a longer journey with the Lord than you do, who has been through some pain and some stuff that you need some counsel and encouragement from. Find you an older woman. God will make that happen. And this church, part of our DNA, will always be the development of a faith family, spiritual parents. Well, Pastor, we, you know, we see all these people. Yeah, and I see a bunch of people who've left. I don't care. We're not going to have a light show and fog coming out from under the, the stage over there. We are going to be spiritual parents. Amen. 
she found a godly older woman. And notice what she said about her own life. Verse 48. Verse 47, my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Is that happening? Do people honor Mary all over this world today? Yes or no? Perpetually multiplied millions of people honor her. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. I'd like to say to all of those today who wonders if the suffering is worth it, there are eternal rewards for a godly woman who will submit to the life story the Father is trying to tell. There are godly, eternal rewards for a godly man who will submit to the life story God is trying to tell. Don't listen to the devil's voice that it's over, that it's too late. God is trying to tell a mighty story through you, and your pain will become your platform if you'll trust him and walk with him. She has an incredible legacy, but it all started by learning to trust the Father and then submitting her own agenda to Him. How will you get through what you got to get through? The Holy Spirit. How are you going to solve all these spaghetti bowls of problems? The Holy Spirit. How are you going to work through your own siblings not really loving and accepting one another yet, the Holy Spirit, He can do what you can't do. You can call meetings and you can force all kinds of confrontation, but you can't bring resolution. Only the Holy Spirit can. Learn to trust Him. Passionately seek Him. And His agenda for you. And that son that she was considered chosen by the Father to be the mother of His Son. That Son continues to change lives. Can I ask you something today? Mothers, I don't care how your children have arrived into this world. Do you not believe the scriptures today that regardless of the way that child was conceived, God the Father knit that child together in your womb? Loves and has a purpose for that child. But I don't want you to ever forget something here today. God chose you as the mother of that child, those children. He chose you. That man didn't choose you. God chose you to be the mother of your children. 
He knew all the challenges you'd face. He knew all the heartache you'd have to go through. He even knew the suffering that is required of a woman to really walk with the Lord in his agenda. But God chose you because he believed you would be faithful. And he believed he could trust you for him to tell the story through your children that he's trying to tell. He chose you. Listen to me, mothers. You are chosen this day to bear that child and to walk with that child in the journey that they're on. You're chosen. You're chosen by God Almighty. Don't fight, don't fight that choosing. Receive it, embrace it, and partner with the one who can make it happen. There is a legacy to be born in every life that God has seen fit to bring through into life in this world through you, mothers, through you. I want you to know that Dina and I treasure you. We pray for you every day. We cannot do what God has called us to do without the power of godly mothers, godly women. And I'll tell you something else. Don't forget this. We have, God is bringing into our faith family several women who have physically not born children who God is using to bear mighty fruit spiritually, spiritual mothers. And we treasure you, we need you, we bless you. And I want you to know something if you don't hear another thing I said. You are not in one iota inferior to any other woman on this earth. Listen to God's story that he's telling through you. Accept that story and cooperate with him. And when it looks like you just can't figure it out, remember, how can this be? The Holy Spirit. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've made choices many times. And sometimes we just look back at the damage that has been inflicted by our moms or dads. And sometimes we forget that you trusted us. That even with the damage that was inflicted on us, you trusted us somehow to receive your grace in such a measure that it broke the cycle of a neglect or abuse. And somehow you trusted us to have those in our lives that are there. And so today, God, we say to you, Thank you that we can bring all our heartaches to you, all our challenges, all our frustrations. Knowing that as we allow you to tell the story of your life in and through us, there is a legacy being left that is going to affect far more than we can ever see or ever will see till we get to our permanent home with you. Now bless the mothers today, God. Bless all those who aspire and desire to be mothers. Bless those who are spiritual mothers. Bless all of those who've suffered mightily, God, who feel the pain of loss and separation. Holy Spirit, our comforter, our encourager, minister to those 
with great pain and broken hearts. Encourage those today who are disappointed and heartbroken, perplexed, puzzled and confused. Minister to them today, God, and by your Spirit, with the favor of God, with that voice of favor, break through the darkness, the pain and confusion. Let your voice be heard, send light, Lord. And Father, all of us thank you for those things that you've done for our well-being through those we call our mother. We pray you would bless them. We want to be godly mothers and fathers. We want our legacy to be he or she didn't always get it right, but I know they loved me. I know I was safe and blessed. I know I was prayed for. Grant it, Lord, in a deeper way in this, your faith family, in the name of Jesus. Well, Dean and I bless you. We ask and pray that especially all of you have a wonderful Mother's Day. We look forward to seeing you next week. Go with God. He's going with you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.